Hello, welcome to the Unrealist Podcast. If you want to learn more about earning passive income, investing in multifamily real estate, today is your day. We have a great guest. Uh, but first, our Unreal stat of the day, and it's that uh, currently we're building about 300,000 multifamily units every year in the United States. That marks about a 50% increase over the pre-pandemic level. So this is a very robust, hot market still today. Uh, but allow me to introduce you to our guest. It's Nicole Gautier. She's the founder of Wicked Holdings, a real estate investment company focused on providing passive investing opportunities in multifamily and positively impacting communities. Nicole, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you, Kyle. I really appreciate the opportunity to come on and chat with you today. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for being here. Uh, so tell me how you got into this. I know you have a background in oil and gas, and at some point you transitioned and you, and you, you found this passion in investing in, in multifamily and residential real estate. Can you tell me about how that, how that started? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, hit the nail on the head. I uh, was, came from an oil and gas background, uh, have a finance and accounting background. So definitely big on crunching the numbers and underwriting and all that kind of fun stuff. And during COVID was, you know, a time where tons of us were able to sit around and really reflect on life. And it wasn't until I kind of had this moment, this kind of crossing roads where I knew I didn't want to go back to, to the corporate world. And I really wanted to figure out how I could combine some of my passions, some of the things that I really, really enjoy doing that don't feel like work, you know, um, yep. into creating, you know, creating a business. And it was during kind of reflecting where I saw, okay, well, I love interior design. I'm really great at crunching numbers. I love that piece of it. Uh, I was always on Zillow for some reason anyway, just like looking at homes. And I have no <laughs> idea why, but it's just a passion or just kind of like a hobby of mine. And sure. my husband said to me one day, Hey, like, why don't, you know, why don't you do something with that? Like, what do you, what do you think? Being a realtor was never really a thought of mine. So mm -hmm. I kind of, you know, combined those three things, but one piece was really missing. And it wasn't until I realized, okay, I really want to be able to help other people on my mission. I have mm -hmm. this big feeling to, to just give a lot of myself to others. And, um, so that's kind of where real estate popped in was, okay, combine all of those three things, plus being able to help other people. And that's where real estate investing came from. Got it. Okay. So you focus, um, that's really interesting. I, I like how you, you just found, you literally found your passion. You, you were, you yeah. were, which a lot of people, I think it's funny you mentioned the the pandemic. I think that's true. People were, um, you know, taking that time and reflecting, uh, some people just said, okay. And they went back to the same thing. Some people moved, they wanted more space. You took and said, no, no, I'm actually going to jump full, <laughs> both feet into a completely different, um, you know, career. Uh, I, I love that. So tell me about, I guess, the types of properties that you invest in and how that ties into helping other people. Yeah. So it's actually twofold. So I'll start with how I got started in real estate, which was on the residential side. So on that side, I actually specifically invest in distressed communities that are going through gentrification. So I go in, I realize that there's some sort of, you know, development that is happening. Um, where can I find, you know, a property that either I can help someone out of that needs that assistance, whether they can't afford, you know, their increased property taxes anymore. Uh, my first purchase was actually a, an, a grandmother that was going through a bankruptcy. So mm. this was a wholesale deal where I helped, you know, me and the wholesaler had helped her get out of that bankruptcy and, um, I actually took over the house and did a full gut rehab. It was in shambles, basically. 
and uh, turned that around and, and, you know, provided a nice clean home for the next person to live in. So <laughs> that's one piece is being able to recognize where there's opportunities for advancement as well as appreciation and kind of that gain and still be able to provide a house that is within reason for market rent to, you know, tenants that wouldn't otherwise have that opportunity in that community. So mm. that's one way that I help uh, more specifically in the Houston market. The other second piece to how I'm able to help others is through the multifamily side. So that is where I provide opportunities for other people that are looking to create generational wealth for their family, mm. or they're looking for cash flow, or they're looking for a way to diversify outside of those kind of traditional investments and get into real estate without having to do all that heavy lifting and the work themselves. So that is, uh, I, I basically, I coach people on, uh, coach people, I say coach passive investors or aspiring yes. passive investors. And then I also offer the opportunity for those that are already ready to go to invest in our deals. Okay. So, um, maybe walk me through that. So, so I'm, uh, sure. you know, who, who is this typical person that you find that is interested in a either learning about, uh, this world or hey, I'm ready to go. I want to invest. Who, who, who are they? What's the profile? So typically they're just really busy professionals that don't necessarily have the time or really want to uh, invest actively in real estate because mm -hmm. investing actively in real estate is another job and it's another full-time gig. It's not something that you can just kind of like put a property manager on and, and, you know, say, Oh, and you know, you just wipe your hands clean and you're done. Yep. You're still managing that property manager. If anything pops up, if you are, you know, actively managing it yourself and that's another job. So the people that I typically have that come to me that are looking for that out, or I guess that way in to real estate is, uh, is, is busy professionals. So nine to fivers for me specifically, it seems to be that my avatar has changed into oil and gas professionals because mm. that's where my background came from. It's your network. And yeah, my network. And then my husband's also in oil and gas as well. So a lot of, you know, what I'm posting on social media seems to translate well into mm. that industry too. So I have, um, a bulk of my investors come from the oil and gas industry. That's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's funny. So when mm -hmm. I, when I first started, uh, this company, uh, my, my earliest investors were of course, you know, friends and family. Um, but, mm -hmm. but a lot of the people were people I went to business school with, uh, people I worked in finance with before. Um, and so yeah. you, you find that you keep, you know, that's, that's the network you build. You don't really, they're, they're just your friends, right? You're sitting next to them, yeah. you know, while you're, you're doing whatever you're doing. And then all of a sudden they become your, your partners. Um, so I, I know that experience well. Um, yeah. Okay. So, you know, I'm an oil and gas professional. I don't have time to manage this. I want to invest. Um, could you just walk through, you know, ballpark, the typical investment amount and the types of returns that these investors get? And then like, in what form uh, is, is that return? And is it, um, you know, uh, am I getting a, a check every quarter? Am I waiting for the equity to build and then sell at some point? How, how does it typically work out? Yeah, absolutely. So typically for, uh, for our investment opportunities, it ranges based, based on the deal. So we've had some where the minimum has been 50,000 and the minimum has been 100,000. I would say safely for the most part, if you've got $50,000 that you're ready to invest, then we can help you with that. Um, so that kind of takes care of that minimum. In terms of the returns that they would receive, 
we underwrite most of our deals for pretty much the same metrics. So we're never going to do a deal that's under a two times equity multiple, meaning that you, you know, we're going to at least double your money during that whole period, whether that's five to seven years. Uh, we have a couple of deals that are eight to nine years just because of the market. And we're trying to capitalize on that appreciation. Um, but so, yeah, so you'd expect to see at least a two X equity multiple. Usually there's anywhere between a six to an 8% pref, uh, which is preferred rate of return. So if you're investing a hundred thousand dollars and you know, you're getting a 7% pref, you're looking at a $7,000 annual distribution to you. And that's cut out quarterly. And then for our IRR, we're anywhere between that kind of, I know the market's been a little bit rougher now, but mm -hmm. typically we're in that kind of 15 to 20% IRR mark. Um, I haven't seen anything at that 15. So, I mean, I kind of underestimating there, typically it's 18% on up, but, um, mm -hmm. you'd expect to see that for IRR. And then for our hold periods, like I mentioned before, we're typically at that kind of closer to that seven year mark, but we do have a couple of deals that are, uh, eight and, uh, we've got a 10 year hold as well. I believe that one's in Raleigh. Um, hmm. in terms so you don't have of, a, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I don't know. And then I was just going to say in terms of payout, th those distributions are made to you quarterly. And then every now and then on our deals, uh, we've got our refi that's built in earlier on anywhere between that two to four year mark. Okay. So you were starting to get into the fact that I, I didn't realize your geographic, uh, the, the geographic regions that you cover. So I know you do some in Houston. Mm -hmm. What are, what are the areas that you typically invest in? Yeah. So we focus on the Sunbelt states. So the Houston stuff that I own is just based are just my personal portfolio. That is not multifamily. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. and then for the multifamily assets that we tend to acquire, those are in predominantly the North and South Carolina areas. So like Charlotte, mm -hmm. uh, Raleigh, um, we've got one in Columbia, South Carolina, and then we've got one deal out in Georgia and another one out in Mobile, Alabama as well. But for the most part, it's the Carolinas we focus on. Okay. Got it. Got it. Yeah. All right. So I just want to circle back to the unreal stat of the day. So 300,000 um, annual units being, being, you know, purchased or created, um, 50% gain over the, the pre-pandemic numbers. This sounds like um, a hot market, but it also sounds like it could be competitive, what are some of the things that you've been able to do to have an edge um, or, or am I, is it unnecessary? Cause there's just so much demand. I know that um, vacancy rates nationwide are down like 6% or something like that. So uh, yeah. per perhaps it's, it's a big robust market and there's so much demand. It doesn't, you don't have to be that creative, but I'm just curious, is, are there things that you're doing to, to derive an edge? Yeah, absolutely. So I'd say that for the, for the new development, you know, projects that are either being built or in plans to be worked on, those are going to be typical, your typical class A type buildings, right? So you've got a different tenant base. You also have a different investor base for those as well, because the returns don't seem to be as high for those class A deals. They're a little bit, obviously they're less risky because they're they're pretty much stabilized already. You know, there's not mm. much upside to them other than what you've already facilitated from the very beginning. Um, and then it's just maintenance and that kind of cash flow uh, coming in. But for us specifically, we focus on uh, value add class B and C type properties. So mm. most oftentimes when you hear value add, you're thinking, okay, this is just renovations. For us, especially right now, because of the bridge debt, the lending and the interest rates right now that they're just ridiculously high, 
What we are focusing on are strategies where, you know, maybe several of these units are under market rent and, you know, you don't necessarily have to go in and renovate them if they're already in, in good condition, not necessarily classic units. Um, another thing too, is that we're trying to go in and we, we see an opportunity to reduce operational inefficiencies. So whether that's, you know, replacing whatever it is, you know, you hear about like replacing toilets, which is like pretty simple thing to do. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can have the cash reserves on the side in order to do that, but that can tremendously reduce your water bill. Um, mm. another thing as well is just becoming a little bit more vertically integrated with uh, a little bit with our property management and trying to see how we can scale and not, um, and reduce that payroll expense. So just different ways of just kind of looking at the financials and getting really creative with what we can do. Uh, of course, we still focus on rent the renovation aspect. We still have, we've got actually a few deals that right now are kind of going through that phase. But for the most part, uh, we, we handle and we see, okay, what can we look at at the financials to, to really bump this property up? Yeah, so you touched on this a little bit. Um, I'm curious, you know, with in the last few weeks, you know, Silicon Valley Bank failed. Um, there still seems to be a little bit of a hangover with, with some other, the, you know, regional banks that are, you know, there's still kind of a um, close eye being, being placed on them. I'm wondering, I know in the tech industry, it was chaos, especially in the in the very beginning, because you know yeah. all the investors had their money in there, all the founders had their money. Like, it was like everybody, so many people had their money in this one bank that was failing. How has uh, this current, you know, I guess you can call it a banking crisis, um, how has it impacted the the business and, and lending in general? Um, I'd say that lenders, so it hasn't really affected um, our business per se, like all the deals and stuff that we'd already had, you know, under contract and. And have closed on, but I would say that lenders have have definitely become a little bit more um, weary, and they mm. are still, you know, a little apprehensive. So you know, rates are are higher, and they're less likely to adjust, even with those relationships put into place. Um, but I'd say we we've protected ourselves pretty well from that whole banking fiasco in terms of we didn't have any of our uh, any of our properties have bank accounts and stuff there. Um, mm -hmm. So. Um, Yes. When you mentioned that, I thought of, oh, I thought of the couple of investors that had reached out to me like, oh, no, Nicole, or, you know, are we OK yeah. with with, you know, where the assets and stuff are being held, the funds? And I was like, we're totally fine. We're not with it, either yeah. of those banks. So I got a lot yeah. of those calls and emails. Uh, same, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. But uh, but it's just it's it's part of the cycle. Right. And, mm -hmm. you know, of course, I guess I won't go to go into that, but they uh, will start to see some some different um processes or procedures put in place i'm sure from from that fiasco i hope so i mean we can't keep doing this every few years right i mean it's like 2008 right. was one thing uh i did not expect to see another one of these in my even in my lifetime honestly i mean that one was so uh, i was i was in business school when the first one happened so i was getting kind of a front row um you know i was in new york on wall street you know seeing it every day and i was like okay Hopefully they've, you know, learned from this and we can move on. But I'm, you know, shocked to see it, you know, even a few years later coming up again. So it's uh, right. It's part, part of these cycles that, that come up, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, okay, we covered the Unreal stat. Um, I think it's really interesting how you you talked about um, this sort of entry point for, for investors and how much they earn. I think that's something that a lot of people always want to know when they think about, okay, how do I get into investing in, in multifamily? Uh, by the way, how many, how many doors do you currently have? Currently, let's see, we just closed on 57 units. So I am at 
believe 387 doors on the GP side and then um, total just over about 450 units. Wow. Incredible. In just a couple of years. Yeah. So yeah. I, I would love to understand your, your overall vision for where you want to take it. You've already taken, I mean, you, you've already got this sort of massive business going, but where do you want to take it? Yeah. So I definitely want to have a little bit more of a community impact on the multifamily side. So uh, whether that's partnering with nonprofits for placing tenants or doing some development where, you know, we're going into an area similar to what's being done in the residential side here in Houston, but, yeah. um, but making that impact on a larger scale in, in other areas. So we've definitely looked into, you know, expanding on the development side. Um, and of course that would be uh, a learning experience for myself at, at that scale. So kind of actually working on a small deal right now that uh, that's here in Houston on that. So kind of get my feet wet a little bit. Um, but yeah, really just, you know, continuing to educate, continuing to help other people see that this path exists for them for syndication. Cause I think mm -hmm. syndication has been one of those kind of like uh, words that has been very unknown. Like, what does that mean? Like it, it yeah. just sounds so foreign. Um, so just continuing to educate and show people that there are options out there for them and that they don't have to, you know, just be, rely on their 401ks or their IRAs to try to retire them, that they can build a life that is of purpose right now by using mm -hmm. some of the funds and just strategizing a little bit differently and getting into real estate. So, uh, yeah, I kind of, I hit it hard on, on social media and LinkedIn specifically, yeah. um, for that reason. I love that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny. Um, you know, we had these conversations with in, investors and operators and I, I see this thing coming up a lot that, um, people are starting to understand that, um, you know, that that traditional 401k retirement, it has some pretty severe limitations um, in yeah. real estate's uh, one of these these areas you can really you can hop in for um, what can be, you know, anywhere from small to medium amounts of, of money to get started and really yeah. build that you know generational wealth. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I'll say too, that, you know, that there are some operators as well, like the 50, we say 50 and a hundred K, but I'm sure there's operators that are out there that would have less. I mean, when we mm -hmm. first got started, uh, I, we had a $25,000 minimum, but our purchase prices were also within that kind of one to three to three and a half million dollar mark. Sure. Now we're not mm -hmm. playing ball in that field anymore. We've, we've mm -hmm. entered another field. So our minimums had to go up because of that. Um, yep. so yeah, it's just, it's about creating those relationships and, and building your network so that you can see these opportunities in the first place. I got it. Yeah. I love it. Um, okay. So I think that covers all my questions. Um, going back, it sounds like, you know, this, this market is, is hot. Um, but what you've really been able to do is be, first of all, uh, focused on geographic areas where there, it sounds like there's some macro trends around, you know, in the, in the Sun Belt, for instance, that help you to have additional success there. Um, you've been able to utilize your network to bring in a lot of these, um, these LPs and um, understanding that the, the economics are, are quite strong, um, great IRRs with fairly low, low entry points. Um, and then lastly, it, that your vision is going into more, more impact, uh, which we, we always love. I mean, I think um, when you're talking about where somebody lives, um, their neighborhood changing, there are all these opportunities to be a positive force um, while, while all this transition's happening. So uh, that's, that's awesome, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And another thing too that I'll note, and this is a common question that probably even yourself have, have, have heard, um, is that 
for, um, for investing. You know, most people think that they have to be an accredited investor in order to get in on, on investing in multifamily or self-storage or RV parks, like whatever it is that they find. Right. Um, but the reality is, is that you don't have to necessarily be an accredited investor if you have the right relationships with the sponsors who offer 506B offerings. You're never going to see them unless you actually have that, that relationship or that connection in some way. And I think that that's what really, uh, puts a halt on people getting invested in real estate is they have this, like this notion or this thought that, Oh, you know, I can't do it. I don't have a hundred K or, oh, yeah. man, I'm not accredited yet. And that's not the case. And I'm sure you, you've seen deals. Same. Yeah. Same can thing. you, can you explain the 506 B? Yeah. So the 506 B is an offering that cannot be publicly advertised for. So when you are investing in, uh, in syndications, there are two options. You have a 506 B or a 506 C. Most oftentimes when you are out on social media and you see someone post a deal or post an investment opportunity, those are 506C offerings, which can be publicly advertised and they only allow for accredited investors. Accredited Ah. meaning, you know, you make single as an individual 200,000 or as a married jointly or filing jointly 300,000 or your net worth is, um, is a million dollars excluding your primary residence. There's a couple other factors, of course, into that, but those are the the two main ones. And um, so those, that's the definition of a credit investor where they can yeah. go in on these 506Cs. 506Bs, however, allow for accredited and non and up to 35 non-accredited investors, meaning you just have to be sophisticated and have the capital and the per- the operator says yay or nay to you investing in in the deal. Um, and there's a substantiated relationship there, meaning that hmm. if this offering has already come out, this deal, and I don't know Joe, but Joe comes to me and says, hey, someone told me about this 506B offering I want in. Joe is not going to be allowed to be in on the deal because I didn't know him prior to that deal being released. And we didn't have, I like to do at least three touch points. So hmm. um, that's a little bit of a, probably a, a long-winded answer, but no, five good. or six Bs. Yeah. If you remember that, it, then you know, okay, you, if you are non-accredited, those are the ones that you can get in on, but you have to have that relationship established first in order to get those and even see them. In building those relationships, what are your recommendations for, for someone that's just getting started? Okay. I, I, I don't know anybody in this industry. I need to build a relationship with five or six Bs. How do I, how do I do that? People that have five or six Bs. Yeah. So, I mean, the great thing that, that you have as a, as a limited partner is that these operators are expressing themselves through social media, sharing Mm -hmm. deals that they are doing. And so if you see, okay, I love this deal. I know it's a 506 C it doesn't hurt to be able to reach out to that operator who's shared that and see if maybe they offer 506 B's. And if they do, then you can start to develop that relationship with them, whether you're vetting them, you're making sure that, you know, that your values are aligned with theirs, that their deals, the typical deals that they do are something that fit your return metrics or your investment criteria. So there's a vetting process that's involved, but the great way to be able to find these operators is just to see them out on social media and reach out and say, Hey, do you, do you work with non-accredited investors? If they do cool, keep going, develop that relationship. If they don't, okay. Can you give me a referral? Maybe you have a friend that does five or six B's or, you know, just kind of what a business, right? Yeah. Developing your network that way. Mm-hmm. No, I love it. I mean, I, I think so many people, so much of uh, business is happening on social media. I mean, we're, 
we're pretty active on our LinkedIn. Um, but so much of this, these connections are happening that way. So I, I love that advice. It's, I think, something that anybody that wants to do this can do, right? Right, right, exactly. People think these walls are up. Ah, I don't know. Any- no, go, go on, right? Yeah, See who's yeah. talking about it, reach out, and, and you can make it happen. Exactly. And that's one thing that I teach my students too. Is like we've done a whole week on, on that. And then some, I help with guiding them on their, on their journey with passive investing. Cause again, they're all busy professionals that didn't know where to start for, yep. for becoming an LP. And it's like, okay, let's dive into the nitty gritty. Mm-hmm. Great. Great. Okay. So, um, thank you. Uh, this is, uh, often my favorite part of the show. Uh, we're going to do the sneaker check. Um, so I'll go first. All right. It's let's raining see it. today. So I didn't go too crazy, but these are my Nike ACGs. They're made out of Gore-Tex. Oh. So they're light, yeah. they're comfortable. And when you get poured on, your feet stay dry, which I love. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> dry socks oh. for the win. All right. What you got? All right. What do I have? Let's see. So these ones right here are my, um, staple golden goose, uh, sneaker. I love sneakers and I like ones that will literally go with any outfit. Cause I'm a very, I like to just be simple. So if I can wear a dress, I can wear leggings, I can wear like, uh, jeans, whatever. Those are my, my staple golden goose that I like to, uh, like like to wear and I wear them to meetings too so see I, l- I love a sneaker like that because you can dress them up or down like you're saying and I know they have those yeah. are known for being sort of distressed but they're also they're distressed on purpose but they they kind of keep that distress for it doesn't get crazy right it's yeah yeah they, they keep that distressed look and they're super good quality like they're a thick yeah. shoe they're comfortable like you can wear I don't wear I don't typically wear socks with them um, so yeah, I don't know. They're just, I love them and they go with everything. I've never had so a pair, but I've heard good things. So I gotta, I gotta check them out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay. So, um, any, anything you want to like, where, where can people find you? Any, anything you want to really drive people towards? Yeah, absolutely. So people can find me on LinkedIn mainly. I'm on there under Nicole Gautier and that's spelled G-A-U-T-H-I-E-R. Uh, I pretty much hang out on there all the time. So they will see posts from me Monday through Friday and learn all about real estate investing and finance and financial literacy, all that fun stuff. Um, and then if they want to, uh, check out my free guide, uh, they can ask me, they can send me a DM for the updated version, but I do have a version on my website at www.wicked-holdings.com. And they can also book a call with me too. So if they want to invest or they've got some questions or they just want to like network or vet me, I guess we talked about vetting sponsors yeah. and they can uh, head over there and, and check me out and, and book a call as well. I love that. Uh, thank you for joining us today. This has been really good. I think I, I definitely learned something. So I, I know other people did. Um, let's yeah. definitely stay in, in touch. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. All right, you're welcome. Talk to you soon. <laughs>